Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast, Season 3. I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases and your host. Together, we have made such a difference in the world. We've met with leaders and change makers in the foster care system. We've met with charities and philanthropists, celebrities, authors, and so much more. We'll continue to bring you guests who will share how together, as a community, we can bring about change. Welcome once again to Fostering Change. You know, it's so hard to believe that the month of November is almost over. I hope every single one of you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. You know, there are several holidays throughout the year that I love, and Thanksgiving is one of them. And it's not just because I love turkey and stuffing, but I love the fact when our family comes together. And it's such a large family because, as you all know, we have five kids. And, you know, between their friends and um, cousins, and it's just a time of of just coming together and showing so much love. But I will have to tell you, my next guest, I am totally starstruck. You know, I'm really lucky. I get to meet some of the greatest people. I have become friends with such amazing humans. But when I read this story, and actually, I didn't actually read the story first. Someone tagged me on a social media and says, do you know this family? And I was like, I have to know this family. And then the next thing you know, I'm reading about them in People. I'm reading about them on the Today Show. And just last week, just last week, again, they aired their, their, this little video number that they do, which I absolutely love that was aired on the Dave Thomas Foundation Instagram. And Rita, who is such a good friend of mine, she knows how much I love it. So ladies and gentlemen, those who are listening and those of you who are watching, please welcome my friend, Pam Willis. Pam, welcome to Fostering Change. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You know what, Pam? You are an absolute dream, and so is your husband. And let me tell you why. I see kids all the time throughout our country who go into foster care, and there's more than one, and they get split up. And, you know, I thought about when I first saw your story. um, First of all, when I saw your story, I didn't realize that you already had grown kids, You know, this was your second time around the moon. And I'm thinking to myself, I have five kids. I cannot imagine if I have to go through this again. But one thing that would really, really surprise me is that one of the things that you was important is that the children didn't get split up. Absolutely. And, you know, to back up a little bit, we we did raise our five children and as they started to become, you know, moving out of the house and a couple of them were getting married and, you know, they were going on and doing their thing. And um, my husband and I decided that was a good time to start fostering. So we started fostering when we had still two teenagers in the home and we fostered just little ones, zero to five years old. And we just started learning so much about what a wonderful experience it is, whether they're reunifying with their families or whether they're going to other family members. I mean, we just felt that it was such important work. And it was, you know, hard. Obviously, it's hard on your heart. You fall in love with these children and and then, you know, they don't stay. And that's hard sometimes. But it was so gratifying to know that you were a part of easing that 
that pain or that trauma or that, you know, that just scary time for those kids, that that was something that just kept us coming back to fostering for about five years. And as we, you know, so my, my two youngest were um, teenagers as we started. And then five years later, as we continue fostering, you know, they're, they're moving out and they're, they're moving on. So our youngest of our five was just about to graduate from high school. And at that time, we only had one foster baby in the home, and we knew that he was going to a family member. We were just waiting for that family member to be certified. And so we were building friendships with that family member and having visits often and doing transition with this baby. But we kind of knew like this was the end of that particular time, and we weren't going to have anybody in our home, and our kids were all going to be gone. And we have a six bedroom home, and we were just kind of like, what do we do? You know, we've been parents since we were very young, my husband, and I've been married for 33 years already. We got married when we were 18. <laughs> you know, we've, we just thought, what do we do? You know, we, we, all we know how to do is be parents. And, and that's our, that's our jam. You know, we, we just love it. We love our big family. We love, you know, at that time we already had grandchildren even, you know, that were, and, and so we just kind of were at this crossroads of, we sell our house and kind of move nearer to one of the grown kids or do we stay here? Do we keep fostering? Like, what do we do? Do we foster in a, in a different community? You know, and um, that was a time period where I, it, it, interesting that you mentioned social media because that's exactly where I saw the story of these children. I live the next county over and I happened to see a news story that was posted on Facebook. Someone had reposted it, like one of my friends said, hey, you know, look at these seven siblings. They're in need of a forever home. And of course, I always stop on stories like that because it just tugs at your heartstring. And I, I have a heart for foster care. I have a heart for, you know, any children who are in need of a home and a family. And I stopped on that story. I thought, seven, oh my gosh, they're never going to find someone to have room for them. And then like that very split second, my brain said, but you have room for them. And it was instantaneous. That moment, I thought, that's it. That's what we're supposed to do. That's exactly what we're supposed to do. And, and there was just no doubt in my mind, just instantly that those seven children were supposed to come to my big empty house that I had been wondering what to do with. And so the next, the next thought was, how do I, how do I tell my husband that this is what's supposed to happen? Because he just doesn't know it yet, but this is it. <laughs> so I went on that social media post and I just, I just tagged him on that post just so he could read it, you know, a little prep, little prep time, a little mental work before I approached him. And so I went to him that evening and I said, you know, I'm ready for like to, to give him all my reasons why this is supposed to be. And I said, Hey, Hey babe, did you read that that story I tagged you in? And he goes, Oh, the seven kids? And I said, Yeah. And I'm getting ready with my my arguments. And he goes, We should adopt them. And it was just one of those moments where you just you realize like you're both in sync and it has come to you. It has been placed in front of you. What are you gonna do next? And we just said to each other, this is it. We should do this. And so, you know, the process started. We called and, you know, started. They said, we have thousands of phone calls about this. You know, we got to vet through everybody. So it took a little while and we weren't sure. But I just was glad that thousands of people had called. I said, oh, good. I'm so glad that they're going to be taken care of. I was so worried. 
that nobody would take care of them. So I, you know, I kind of felt like, well, there's thousands, nobody would pick me, you know, I mean, like, I'm just glad they're being taken care of. And so I kind of went back to my, okay, good, they're okay, but I couldn't stop thinking about them. And so like two days later, I called again. I'm just checking, making sure that, you know, if nobody's able to take, we we're certified and we have a big home and just checking, just making sure. Okay. Okay. You know? And so I'm like, okay, they're taking care of, but I just couldn't get them out of my mind. And I kept going back to that story and I kept watching the video that was, you know, here's these kids and they're so great. And they've been in foster care for a year and their parents have passed away. And, and I just, my heart just kept, I wanted to help them, I wanted to be their mom. I just felt like I they need me. <laughs> I can't explain it, but they were just mine from the minute I saw them. But I have so, so. many questions. So, okay, so first of all, seven kids. Um, you know, now you, you've got 12 now. Um, right. seven, seven kids, but why were they in the system for a year? So what had happened with them was they had, uh, just a really quick summary, they they grew up in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and they had been living there with their parents, kind of, you know, their parents were trying to make it and bouncing around kind of, you know, apartment or a house or they'd do well for a while and then they'd be homeless for a little while. So they had, they had a rough, rough beginning. And I think that their mother knew someone who had moved to San Diego and was doing really well. And so she kind of thought that's a great place for a fresh start. So they, they sold and got rid of everything they had. They hopped on a Greyhound bus and they went to San Diego, which is about an hour from me. They, they were homeless there for a little while. And then they, um, they were in the park and then they uh, were, lived in a, a homeless, like a tent shelter for a while and then they got into an apartment and things just weren't going well still it wasn't the way they imagined that it was going to be so they were there for like eight months and they decided you know what we're going to move we're leaving let's go to texas we've got friends in texas that are doing well let's go to texas so they packed up everything they could in this little u-haul they bought a like a used vehicle and they decided let's go we're going to texas and on the road on the way to Texas before they left California, there was a major motor vehicle accident where they um, just, just their car involved. So somehow went off the road. Nobody really knows how or why. The parents were immediately killed. The children were all thrown from the vehicle. They were all sustained injuries. And the oldest one sustained the most injuries. You know, some of them had to be helicoptered out and um, the little ones weren't injured that much surprisingly, because there weren't um, car seats or, or seat belts or anything. So it was really a miracle that they all survived. And they went into foster care because they found a home that would take them all together. They were kind of crammed in, but they were together, you know, which I'm glad that they were. Through that year, they set about, the social workers set about looking for some family members or somebody who could take them. You know, they really did their due diligence in searching with family. The problem was the mother and father had grown up in foster care themselves. And so they really didn't have strong family ties with anyone. They had, you know, just a lot of strained relationships. The kids were kind of like, oh, yeah, we don't talk to that person. You know, we don't know. We don't even know who that is, you know, kind of thing. And and there weren't any family members who were really able to take them. You know, they have 
they have a half sister that lives in Las Vegas, but she's young. She was expecting her first baby, just like 20 something, you know, so she wanted to, obviously her heart, you know, she wanted to, but she just, you know, wasn't out of place in her life. So they exhausted all of their efforts in trying to find a family member. And then they decided, let's do this, this news story. And so by the time they were doing the news story, it really had only been about six months in foster cares. Not to cut you off, but then it was another six yeah. months. And and the reason I'm asking this, and 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 one of the things Pamela, I, people know about me is that I'm a man who says what I feel. And I grew up in this system. And as a kid who grew up in this system, a kid who aged out and became homeless, a kid who has adopted five, the most beautiful babies I feel in the world, I feel like there's a lot of lag time for these kids. And I feel because of that lag time, we're seeing more and more mental illness that is brought upon these kids. If we could just, I mean, and here's a good example, you know, in their situation, their parents have passed away. I mean, it's the worst of worst. Um, So, you know, immediately I feel, this is why I always say, there needs to be a national database, okay? Uh Um, So we could all be connected somehow. Where for my children, they're two of my kids. I got I have two sets of siblings. I refuse to split kids up. And one of my sets of siblings uh-huh. was severe abuse. And there was no way the parents were gonna be ever given their children back. But then there was uh-huh. another set of siblings I had who had the word neglect. And uh-huh. I just felt like as a community, um, we failed her more you know and so i see these yeah. kids and for a year you know they're you know my and i'm just gonna i'm, I'm very my kids suffer from ptsd my okay. i have one child who has fetal alcohol syndrome i have one child who has reactive attachment disorder i have a child who has adhd you know and all of this was bounced because of all the many houses the fetal alcohol right. syndrome that that was what he was born with but everybody else, right. it was the constant bouncing. So were they in this one home for seven, this one six months before they came to you? Initially, out of the hospital, they were in um, just a group home for a short period of time until they were all discharged. So maybe like a few weeks in, it's called Kalinsky Center in San Diego. It's, it's pretty well known in this area as, you know, it's, it's a temporary, it's not meant to be, you know, to house people but they were in the Polinsky Center for about a month and then they found uh, this home for them to go. That was uh, at the beginning of summer. And so they went into this home and they spent their summer, you know, just kind of going to Boys and Girls Club and kind of just, you know, adjusting to what what just happened here. They had a lot of issues prior, um, you know, with the homelessness and there was some neglect and I have three with fetal alcohol. So I I get that 100%. (laughs) Um, You know, so they, I think, in shock that entire time that they were, I think they were still just in shock. It's a, it's a trauma when children are removed from their home, absolutely a trauma. And, but it, I think is a very different kind of trauma when there's a, well, well, why is my mom and dad this? Or why aren't they this? Or why can't they this? At this time, it was just, they're gone, period. Those questions don't even exist because they're gone. So it was a very different type of trauma than I was used to dealing with. Um, the finality of it was in some ways, I think, easier to address because I'm not trying to conjecture about, you know, well, mommy's 
you know, sick or doesn't, you know, she drugs make her very sick. You know, you're kind of trying to, yeah. to tell innocent, sweet children that you've fostered and, you know, why mommy and daddy are sick or why mommy and daddy can't take care of them or why they have to come live with you. That part of it is always so hard for me because I never want to, to say anything that, you know, disparages them, but I also want them to understand that, you know, they're sick and, and addiction is horrible. I and it's an illness. Those. And it's an illness. I have a 20 year old who actually came to us at the age of 18. And so he, you know, the way I have to talk to him is different than my 17 year old daughter who arrived at the age of four. And now yeah. she's at that age because we were very similar what you are, but you don't want to badmouth the birth parents. You don't want to, and even though we're already adopted, you still, you know, and now all of a sudden I've got a daughter who's like, why didn't you tell me? You know, and it's just like, well, I didn't want to. So it's it's that that constant give and take. Your catch, you know. Yeah. I, like I said, you are my hero. You are my hero. You've got these seven babies that you bring home. And by the way, my twenty year old is still a baby. You got these seven babies yeah. that you bring home. You already have five other kids, and you call them up and you say you're going to get seven siblings. What do they say? So my five, my five older ones. Yes. What did they say? Oh, well, uh, varying responses. So my younger one, when we were fostering, it wasn't that big of a stretch for them. They were like, hmm, seven, huh? That's a lot, mom. You know, <laughs> it's kind of, but it wasn't a foreign concept to any of my kids having been a foster family for five years. Even my older kids, you know, when they would come, there would be different foster children in the home that they always would make them feel like part of the family, no matter how long they were there for, you know, so that part of it wasn't an absolutely foreign concept. I think my oldest one, he's very sensible. He's like, is this, you know, financially, are you going to be okay? That was his, you know, retirement and all that mom and dad, you know, making sure that was really his concern. Just nothing about like, why are you bringing other people into it? Ne never was that ever mentioned. It was, you know, are you going to be okay financially? You still going to be able to retire when you want. You're all, you're good, you, you know, and, and if you say that's, you're good, then fine. And, you know, they're all just very, very accepting. My two daughters, they're 27 and 23 and they're, they've got a heart just like I do for these children. I mean, they fell in love with every child that came through my house, you know, and, and they were just as much a part, if sometimes even more a part. My daughter graduated from high school and the whole year that she was at home still, she was like my nanny, you know, because I'm working here in my office and she's downstairs taking care of of the kiddos that we have. So she fell in love with these babies. It was never, it was never a stretch for them to say, you know, and they know their mom just kind of, you know, she sees something, she goes for it. They, they watched me go to law school when they were in oh, middle school. Listen, everybody, whether you're listening to this on one of your favorite podcast platforms, or maybe you're tuning in on our YouTube channel, I am telling you, you are under a rock if you have not heard about this family. Um, <laughs> I have seen them, as I said, in People Magazine, the Today Show. Every time I turn around, they're, they're they're on Facebook or they're on Instagram. And by the way, not because they're putting themselves out there. It's because we all cannot get enough love, enough love. And when you see this, there is one thing I say to everyone. There's one thing to love someone. There's another thing to love someone unconditionally. Unconditionally. We're going to take this quick break and we'll be right back. 
Comfort Cases is so excited to once again to be partnering with a premier luggage brand, Briggs & Riley, for National Adoption Awareness Month. You know, now through the end of November, for every $10 donation made at Briggs-Riley.com, Comfort Cases will receive much-needed funds, leading to the elimination of trash bags being given to children entering our foster care system. You know, donations will go towards the purchase of Comfort XL duffel bags. These are 32-inch duffel bags that the youth will be able to use to store their belongings in. Briggs & Riley supports Comfort Cases' mission to bring hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. Don't forget, Giving Tuesday is November 30th. This is an added reason to help someone in need this month. So please, visit BriggsAndRiley.com and make your tax-deductible donation today. Well, I will tell you, you all see and hear the excitement that's in my voice, and it happens quite often. We are in season four, three, season three of Fostering Change, and my guest, I have been wanting her on for so long. I've been wanting her on since the first time I saw her on social media. I wanted her on when the person in my center brought me the People magazine for me to see her in, the fact that I got to watch her on the Today Show, but her and her husband did something that I could not even imagine. You know, I always talk about the fact of having five kids, but just imagine having seven arrive in one day, one day. And that's exactly what Pam and her husband did. You know, we've heard about the story. I don't think a lot of you knew this, but Pam and her husband, they had already had five kids that they had grown. I would be thinking of retirement, but instead they bring home seven children to have a forever family. Pam, how long did it take for you once the children arrived for the adoption? Well, that's a great question because the pandemic played in. <laughs> so we we had, so I saw the news story in January. I called right away. I started having some serious meetings with the social workers from San Diego in February and then in March they officially matched us and we got to meet them about mid-March. So things were they were moving along. Um, that they had a real desire to keep the children in their current school situation for a couple more months to allow them to finish the school year because it was just kind of the one piece of permanency that they had had in a really really long time. You know, prior to that they'd been they'd been homeless and moved and all of that. So they really just wanted to give them that. So we just visited, we drove down and visited every single weekend. And we had a couple overnights and things like that for the transition. But um, so they moved in like the day after school was out. Cause I was like, all right, school's over, let's go. So it was great. Cause they had, there was an eighth grade graduation for the oldest. There was a sixth grade graduation for the second oldest. It was really something that they had not experienced before. And, you know, it was something we made it special and gave them flower lays and you know that's kind of our our family thing so it was was great to be able to have that for them and they moved in in June and in California you need to foster for six months prior to um, being able to adopt so we had we knew we had the six month time period that they would be considered foster in our home although you know before they even stepped foot in our home they were ours (laughs) from the beginning it was a formality really 
So we, we processed all the paperwork starting in December because that had been, you know, the six month time period. And we got a court date in March, it took a little bit longer than we wanted, but we were like, well, that's cool. It's like exactly one year from when we met, you know, and we're going to go to court on, you know, our anniversary of meeting you. So it was neat, you know, to know that it was like that we're coming full circle in that little anniversary. And um, so we were getting closer and the pandemic started to really hit the US and we were like, oh, things are closing. Like the courts aren't closed yet. And then three days before our court date, they closed everything. And we were just so crushed. It was so hard to say, you know, we, we're not getting that little piece of paper. We're still going to have to go around with all our paperwork going, yes. There, you know, like it was just seven of them and paperwork for seven of them. And you have to prove who they are everywhere you go, you know. So for me, it was more like, can we just be with all this? They're already our kids, you know. So we ended up having to wait until August. So that was five more months. We probably could have done a Zoom uh, for appearance a little bit sooner, like a couple months sooner. But I was kind of holding out because I wanted them to have this big celebration and like really a momentous i wanted them to have their day in court you know <laughs> oh i know i we've done it i know it and you know what the yeah. sad part is the people don't realize what the pandemic has done to children that are in the system you know my son is 20 years old we should have finalized his adoption 20 months and months yeah. and months but pandemic has caused it, we still haven't finalized it. And I'm just like you, you know, maybe I could give a little and be in Zoom, but my son's been in foster care most of his life. And the fact is, is I want his day in court. I want I want the day like my my other boys and my daughter had with all the balloons and all the family right. comes into town. And, you know, it's right. a big, huge party. So I love yeah. that, you know. You know, one of the things for me, Pam, and I get this quite often as a public figure and someone, you know, who who I, I'm in the media quite often about, you know, being a dad who adopted through foster care. Um, they think that we're millionaires. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they think that we're making all this money. Um, and, you know, for us, and this is going to be kind of surprising, I think, for you. When we adopted our children, um, it was not acceptable for gay men to adopt. And so the foster care system would not allow us to have an attorney. So normally, as in they, they assign attorney. So we literally had to hire our own attorney. And so, you know, over $60,000 later, it cost us to adopt our four, which I always tell my husband, I would have paid that money 20 times over. But now I think people need to understand, even for same-sex marriages, for all, um, the cost is not there to adopt a child. Right. Right. I think that I'm really glad that you brought this up because I think that it's important for people to understand that all the things that I mentioned about, you know, People Magazine today and all of that really kind of came. It started with my Instagram and I started this Instagram just to say, hey, this is a wonderful experience. These kids are amazing. Like you could do this, too, if you have the home, the heart, the you know, the time and, and you want to do this. And I really started. With just that little platform of, you know, let me tell you how great it is. These kids are wonderful, brought some joy to my life. And it started like that. Now, my 27-year-old, who is a social media influencer, was like, oh, we should make some TikTok videos of you. You know, it'd be so cute. And you'd get more people to listen to your message about foster care. 
And so she makes her living on Instagram. I've never made a dime from Instagram. Yeah. I don't know how she does that. I'm in here in this office working where I've been for the last 10 years. But but she was like, hey, let's do this video. So it was fun. It was cute. And I thought, well, more people will get the message. They'll understand about foster care. I love when people message me and say, how do I get started? Where do I go in Texas? Or I'm in Ohio. Or I just, that brings me so much joy because I think I'm, I might be helping kids, you know. And I share um, stories where they highlight you know, and they say, this child is waiting. I share those all the time. And people are like, oh, that's my state. Or, oh, how do I get in touch with the people that work with? I want to know this child. That brings me the joy. So my daughter made this, this little video that was like our life in 15 seconds kind of thing. And it was, it was catchy and it was, you know, cute and trendy and whatever. And, um, it ended up picked up all over. over. It it was called viral, my friend. Viral. (laughs) And I guess like Michael Buble shared it. Kristen Bell shared it. And suddenly when they shared it, the Today Show was like, hey, we want to feature you. And then it was People Magazine. It was this big flurry for a while. But again, my focus has always, always been to share the message that this isn't as as scary or as foreign or as expensive as you mentioned i think so many people think adoption expensive and it's not necessarily that way and i just love just kind of debunking that myth and saying no it's not you know it's like maybe you know the the little upgrades you have to do to your home to get you know lock up your medicines and put outlet covers and you know lock up anyway by the way, right. you can do anything. Right. Right. You know, I remember we had to put a new railing on our stairs. Well, we should have had that new railing anyway. Right. It's like, you know, and the thing that, that really, when people do not understand, children are in foster care because of choices other people made. Okay? Right. They're in foster care because of other choices people made. Right. And so this right. whole concept that these are bad kids there's no such thing bad kid it's only a kid that needs to be redirected a kid who has never been given the path that they need and you know i hear that quite often is that oh but but kids in foster care are bad or kids in foster care are there because they are bad no kids are there because choices other people made you know and we have an opportunity to make the right choice for them you know and and i'm like you i mean so and and you and I have got to connect offline because my my friend Leanne Tui, she um she every Friday, and and I, I want to get you involved in this. Every Friday, Leanne posts one child in our country that is waiting for a forever family. Okay, oh, and so she used to do it. Um, and Leanne's from the blind side. She used to do it through the movie was based on where she adopted the the young boy yes. from the Raven. Yes. She used to do it only in the month of November. And last year she was talking to me and she said, I'm going to do it every Friday for one year. Well, just yesterday, another match. And so she matches because I truly believe with what you're doing, what she's doing, what we all can do. The more that we get in front of these people, the more that these people are educated. You know, as me, I used to always get so mad at my, my community when I was a young boy. And then I grew up and I realized my community loved me. They just didn't know. Right, right. And that's so true. There's so many people who just don't understand it. They're a little afraid. 
I think it's a little bit scary to um, take a teenager too. I mean, to me, at first I didn't take teenagers because I had a teenage boy and a teenage girl in my home. So I was kind of like, oh, let's just do younger ones. So I don't have to worry about any of that. You know, maybe they, the boys don't get along or the girl, or there's some kind of, you know, oh, you're cute, you know? So, so I kind of stayed away from that for a little while and did younger kids. And when this, when this set of kids came, I thought, well, this is, you know, this is going to be interesting. I hope, you know, that I can help them because I know how to help little ones. You provide safety, you provide security, you provide food that they need, you provide good sleep, and suddenly they magically transform into these, you know, children who are just totally different than the ones who didn't have any of that. They, they just have this chaos going on. And once you calm that chaos in their little brains, they really transform. Well, what I found out was it was really similar with teenagers. I mean, they are just as in need of this love as much as they might not want to admit it. They're just as in need of this safety and this security and this love and this normalcy. They just want what everybody else has, you know? They just want to be kids. They don't want to be the parent of the little ones anymore. They don't want to take care of their mom or dad, or they don't, you know, they don't want to worry about where they're going to live or how they're going to explain why they didn't have enough money for the field trip or, you know, all of these things, like they don't want to worry about any of that. And so my husband and I just kind of, we thought about it ahead of time. We brainstormed, we said, you know, these two older ones, they're just going to be kids. They're never going to babysit the little ones. I mean, my biological kids, I would be like, yes, you got to babysit your sibling. That's kind of part of it. These guys grew up doing that. They don't, they don't need that. That's all they knew. That's all they knew. That's all they've done. I mean, they would have to stay home sometimes and from school, you know, to babysit because that's, you have to do what you have to do sometimes when you don't have the means, you know? You're right. I, you know, I'm the youngest of 10 kids and, you know, growing up in the system and being split up, but I had one sister who missed almost two years of school because she had to stay home to take care of my sister and I, because, you know, that's what she had to do. But, you know, you talk about uh, the, the older kids and how they just want, I'll never forget when my son Alex came home. Again, he was 18 years old. And every single night I do the same exact thing. I go through the house and I say goodnight to each one of my children and to tell them I love them. And every mm-hmm. single night, Alex would always say goodnight. And, but my other kids would say, goodnight, daddy, I love you. And Alex had been with us for a couple of months. And I did my t- typical going through the house, saying goodnight to each one of my kids. Goodnight, Tristan, I love you. Goodnight, Grayson, I love you. Goodnight, Makai, I love you. Goodnight, Amaya, I love you. And I said to my son, Alex, goodnight, Alex, I love you. And he, he looked up to me and he said, Ops, I love you too. Oh, you never forget that first time they say it, do you? Oh, it was. I literally walked out of his room. I'm crying. Recent, my husband's like, what's, what, what's wrong? He said, yeah. he said, not only did he call me Pops, you know, he said he loves me. And so you get it. You feel it. You oh my know gosh, it. Yes. You know, what do the kids call you? <laughs> They call us mom and dad. The littlest one started calling us mom and dad pretty quickly. And I think that that's very common with littles because, you know, we had two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old at that time. And, and they, they just crave, they need, they need dad or they need mom. They need that figure. And to them, that name of mom or dad means caretaker. 
and it doesn't to them it's not necessarily as significant as a teenager using that that's a conscious choice for a teenager i think for littles it's just a a natural inclination like you're the caretaker you're dad or you're you know and so the little ones wanted to call us and they asked you know can we can i call you mommy and yes of course anytime you want and i still remember the first time each of them said it because it just kind of just really makes your heart burst and sometimes they went back and forth for the first couple of months you know between my name and you know whatever and i told them whatever you want to call me it's fine and they kind of in their own time just all it was comfortable to them to say mom and dad or mommy and daddy and the older ones took a little bit more time and they'll even admit it they'll say you know i started calling you that because the kids were calling you that and it was kind of like more uh it just for continuity but it took a really a while for you to feel like that and and i get that totally because especially with some of the conflict you have as an older child like mom or dad isn't necessarily a great um you know idea in your mind like you, they have a lot of anger that they have to work through and they have a lot of issues and so using that name of mom might conjure up things that are not so great or not so happy so you know i didn't push that and and my oldest he still says ma instead of mom and i think to him that's his differentiation which is fine you know if he never wanted to call me that it doesn't matter to me i am just providing to him sort of the example and the figure that he can take on in his life and say okay that's that's what a mom does or that's what a dad does and um i think he's really bonded with my husband the oldest i think he just really uh he says to him all the time you're my best friend and you know my husband gets to be the fun guy he's kind of the laid back chill like hey let's go do this fun thing and let's not tell mom we're getting drive through mcdonald's and then let's you gotta eat your dinner when we go home let's not say you know that's my husband's thing he's always been that way even with my first five that's just his thing and and the kids love that because they just feel like they're in on something special and you know i'm the one that's you know how are your grades what are, you know and and i'm the one that has to do kind of the hard stuff so oh my gosh. either way it doesn't matter to me as long as they feel loved and they yeah. understand the notion of family no. and no. they understand security um but it's just so heartwarming with these teenagers to they're so appreciative sometimes yes. and it's just so touching for them to just be like wow thanks you know it, it yeah, no, i i get it i get it my oldest i get it it's you know we had we had gone to new york just recently and you could just see in his eyes he'd never been and he was yeah. just like you know my other kids we'd had them since younger so they experienced a lot more listen pam i will tell you i could talk to you all day long you are amazing human we say this quite often you know um each and every one of us have an opportunity to be good humans but we also have an opportunity to teach our children when we adopt them from the system of three things number one they could give up your seven didn't number two they could give in and that means they could be the statistics that we see every day are number three they can give it all they got and that's exactly what they're doing listen i want you and i to keep in touch i cannot wait for our families to meet because i'm telling you we are so similar yes. we are so similar and i do want you back on fostering change real soon listen everybody this has been and you all can tell i've smiled more than i have smiled in a long time <laughs> 
This has been an unbelievable episode. I hope that you share it. I hope that you comment. Please, fostering change at comfortcases.org. Pam, how can we get a hold of you? Well, you can start with my Instagram. I call it Second Chance Seven. And that was really because my husband and I had a second chance at being parents. And, you know, the kids say, this is our second chance, too. My, my oldest named his Instagram Second Chance Addy, whose name is Ad- Adelino. So Second Chance 7 on Instagram. And I love sharing foster stories and helping people who are interested or answering questions. So just message me on there. It's the best way. And by the way, email those questions as well to fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Because the more questions I get, the more chance I get to have Pam back on. So listen, I, I hope each and every one of you have an amazing rest of your month. Please do not forget that the month of November is National Adoption Awareness Month. But for families like mine and like Pam's, we want every month to bring awareness to adoption because adoption is absolutely magical. Have a good day, everybody. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, ComfortCases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.